This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 16, where we've been teaching from for a number of weeks, a series on keys of the kingdom of God. Jesus questions his disciples about who people say that he is, and then he asks them, who do, men, who do you say I am? Peter answers and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answers him and says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say un also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The rock he's talking about is the knowledge of who Jesus is. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My favorite translation on this verse is the gates of hell shall not be able to hold out against it. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We've made this statement before. <clears throat> in case you weren't with us, we'll say it again. People didn't use keys the way that we do now in uh, present days. Uh, we think of keys as being car keys, house keys, office keys, and whatever else to unlock locks. And in one sense, that uh, that analogy would work here in this uh, this place where Jesus talked about the keys of the kingdom. But specifically, in Roman times, keys were given as diplomas or as a, a, what we would consider to be a diploma for a completion of certain areas or, of study. And you'd wear those keys around your belt and it was a sign that you were an intellectual or that you'd mastered some field of study, whatever it was that you'd um, undertaken. So when Jesus says, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, notice he's talking about in relation to building the church. Notice also he connects the keys of the kingdom of heaven with authority, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <coughs> One translation says it this way and might bring a little bit more understanding to us. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and you have authority to bind on earth what's already been bound in heaven. And you have authority to loose on earth what's already been loosed in heaven. And all that comes about as a result of what he said he's giving to the church or would give to the church following his resurrection, I guess, would be a better way to say it, is the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about mastering the principles that govern the kingdom of heaven. Now, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used pretty much interchangeably throughout the gospels. There are a couple of places where it means something specific about heaven itself. But we're not looking at those scriptures or the context of those scriptures in this study. So where he talks about, uh, for our purposes, when he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about, uh, he uses those terms interchangeably. Now in Matthew chapter 6, when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray, Jesus gives them what is known in church world as the Lord's Prayer. It really isn't the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. And it's not a New Testament prayer. And I'll show it to you very clearly. It's easy to see. But Jesus taught them to pray, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. 
After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. So I want you to notice that Jesus tells the disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come, which means it had not come when he was here on the earth. Well, we know that the Bible says the kingdom of God has come now. We'll prove that in some of the scriptures we look at as we go forward. But the kingdom of God was completed and brought to the earth through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If the kingdom of God had not come, you wouldn't be able to be born again. But now the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Well, what changed? The kingdom of God came. That which God intended from the beginning to be joined eternally with his creation, his man here on the earth in spirit, created after his image and in his likeness, was accomplished once and for all. So notice Jesus tells the disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What is the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus defines it. He says, thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as Jesus describes it is where the will of God is done on the earth just like it is in heaven. Now, if you think back to the original creation, Genesis chapter 1, account of the creation of the earth, you see that that's exactly what took place. God made the earth in such a way that everything in it, it and everything in it was perfect. There was nothing that could hurt or harm mankind. Even after he created man on the sixth day, he looked and said that it was very good. And so he rested. There was nothing that could hurt or harm mankind. There was no weeds. There was no thorns. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was nothing that was outside the realm of God's will. In other words, he created a kingdom where his will was on earth just like it is in heaven. Well, sin's the thing that messed that up. When sin came in upon the scene, man fell from his position of fellowship and, well, literally relationship with God. He became estranged or separated. He died spiritually, which means separation from God. And then sin began to rule and reign on the earth. But that's not the way the earth was created to be. That's not the way that God's God's original kingdom or system was designed to operate. So Jesus says, tells the disciples to pray that the kingdom of God would come, that the will of God would be done on the earth just like it is in heaven. You know, it's an amazing thing. It's really a foolish thing on the part of the church to question what God's will is here on the earth. Like God's different because we're here than he would be if we were there. But the Bible says God never changes. So God doesn't have one will now while we're here and another will for when we get to heaven. But most of the church world looks at heaven as a means of escaping the sin, sickness, destruction, poverty, and evils of this world. Well, if God's the same there as he is when we're here, then why would he want something different for us here than he has provided for us there? The Holy Spirit brought something to my attention some months ago now that really shocked me because of all the questions that I've had where people ask me what the will of God is for their life or in their situation or whatever the case is, 
Nobody has ever asked me about the will of God in heaven. Ever. Closest I've come to it is where a couple of women whose, whose husbands had died wanted to know if they'd be married in heaven and how that was going to work and that kind of stuff. But nobody really asked about the will of God in heaven. The devil doesn't bug you about the will of God in heaven. There's no church teaching against the will of God in heaven. Everybody accepts the will of God in heaven as a perfect environment, perfect kingdom, perfect system. Everything's perfect. Nobody questions whether or not there's sickness or disease there. Nobody questions whether there's going to be poverty or lack there. Nobody questions if there's going to be any reason to be depressed or upset or anything like that. Everybody realizes that heaven is heaven and that's why it's named heaven. Well, what makes heaven different from here? God's the same. God created the same system to operate here on this earth as he did to operate in heaven. There's only one difference. You're the same. You'll be the same here as you are in heaven. Let's hope that we know more when we get there. But we're still the same. There's only one difference, and that is there we won't be in the presence of our enemies. And here we have an enemy operating against us. That's the only difference. But the name of Jesus is not going to be different in heaven than it is here. The power of God is not going to be different in heaven than it is here. God's willingness for you to use and benefit from his power in the name of Jesus is not going to be different there than it is here. So what's the real difference? Seems to me the difference is what we think that we're able to do here as opposed to what we think we're able to do there. Now we see what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven and we'll we'll look real quickly at these scriptures. We've covered them before. But again, for those of you that may not have been with us, in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10... Jesus calls his 12 disciples. He appoints them to do the work that he was doing here on the earth. Starting in Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Now, I'll have to plead guilty to thinking that the kingdom of God until recently, very recently, as a matter of fact, I've always looked at the kingdom of God. I've never looked at Matthew 6, verse 10 as being the definition of the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know why, I just never did. Never focused on it, never spent any time with it. I always considered the kingdom of God to just be a general thing, general term that meant things about God. But now let me ask you a question. Jesus is in his first year of ministry, first of three years of ministry, and he picks 12 guys, and he tells them to go preach the kingdom of God. If that term, kingdom of God, just means stuff about God, then my question is first, what do they know about God to preach? These are unsaved men. These are men that when they do get something by the Holy Ghost, Jesus has to commend them for it, as we saw in the example in, uh, as we saw in Matthew 16 as an example. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Blessed art thou, Simon, because you heard from heaven. Well, now that means a couple of things, folks. That means that Jesus could not have, been, could not have instructed his disciples to go preach that he was the Son of God. If he had, then why would he ask him, who do you say I am? 
Or why would their answer not have been, well, you're who you've told us you are. Or you, you are who you've proven yourself to be by giving us your name to cast out devils and to heal the sick. The fact that he asked them, who do you say I am, is a real clear indicator to me that they have not been preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, then what in the world have they been preaching? That came as a shock to me, folks. I'm glad to say that I'm learning. I'm sad to say that I just learned that recently. But thank God at least we have a chance to keep growing. So what in the world have they been preaching? He told them to preach the kingdom of God, to cast out devils and to heal the sick. So what have they been preaching? Stuff about God? They don't know stuff about God. Every time Jesus tells them stuff about God and uses a parable, they have to ask him later, what that mean? Well, then what in the world are they preaching? Folks, there's only one thing that gives us an answer, and that's the definition of the kingdom of God that we just saw in Matthew 6.10, where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven. These guys must have gone out and preached. It's the will of God for you to be free, so they cast out devils. It's the will of God for you to be healed, so they heal the sick. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Look at Luke chapter 10. This is where Jesus sends out the 70. We won't read everything that he, uh, that he said to them, but we'll start in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Now notice he did not tell them, you're my front men, so go into the city and tell them that I'm the Son of God and I'm on the way. Instead, he told him, skip down with me to verse 9. He said, well, I guess we would have back up to verse 8 and get a context. He said, and into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you. Eat such things that are set before you. Cities or people receiving the, the 70 was not a guarantee. If they will receive you, then eat what they set before you, verse 9, and heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Now, come nigh just means it's coming close or near. In other words, he said, heal the sick as proof that the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick as proof that the kingdom of God is here. Well, is there anything that we can take away from that other than the fact that healing has to be a part of the kingdom of God? He did not say heal the sick and say, God has taken a special liking to you. 
You're lucky because God wanted you to be healed, but he didn't want everybody to be well. No, he said, heal the sick and say the kingdom of God has come nigh. We know from other places in Scripture in the Gospels that material things are part of the provision of material things are part of the provision of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6 talks about material things. Luke chapter 12 talks about material things. And Jesus said in both places, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, things, things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and the things will be added. But then things have to be connected to the kingdom of God then, don't they not? If you keep your priorities and your heart in the right place, if you make your pursuit the right thing, the will of God being done in your life here on the earth just like it is in heaven, then these things will be added to you. He went further in Luke chapter 12 and said, Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Talking about receiving or being provided for with material things. So these have to be a part of the things of the kingdom of God or the, a part of the kingdom of God where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven. Anybody going to be homeless in heaven? Anybody going to be begging on the street corner in heaven? Well, then it must not be God's will for that to be the case here. At least not for his children. Well, what do we have to keep us from those positions or those conditions of sickness and poverty and lack and, and so forth? The keys of the kingdom. Principles that we can master that will enable us to operate in God's will here on the earth just like it is in heaven. Now I want you to turn with me now to John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Ruler means teacher or rabbi. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi which means teacher. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. In other words, he said, we know that God sent you because of the stuff that you do. Now notice that Jesus does not rebuke him. He does not say, you unspiritual carnal person. Here you are looking at the things that I'm doing and you're missing the real point. Jesus seems to accept and understand by virtue of the fact that he's told his disciples to go do the same stuff that he was doing, the same wonders, the same signs, the same healing miracles and so forth that he was doing himself to cause people to see and know that God was with them or in their case that the kingdom of God was close, to, close at hand. Well, if that's what God knew would be the, the result of Jesus doing healing works and miracles and signs and wonders. And that's what would cause people to, to conclude that God was with him. If he wanted that for his son, and Jesus said we were to do the same works as him, why would he want something different for us? I would submit to you that God wants people to know that we're his children. Because of the same things that Jesus showed and demonstrated when he was here on the earth. And there are two main things that Jesus showed and demonstrated when he was here. One was signs and wonders. Including healing miracles. And the second was love. That was beyond anything that anybody had ever experienced. Those are the two things that caused people to realize. That Jesus was sent from God. Why would it be different for us?
I don't believe it is. Those should be the two things that we focus on and try to develop ourselves in so that the world will know who we are and therefore know who God is. Well, back to Nicodemus. We know that you're a teacher come from God because nobody can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, when I was a young, well, when I was a boy reading some of these things or hearing about some of these things in Sunday school, I thought and was really told to a great degree that Jesus changed the subject. I don't believe he did. I believe that Jesus, who is questioned about the signs and the wonders and the miracles that are occurring in his ministry, connects those signs and wonders and miracles with the kingdom of God. And that he tells Nicodemus the importance of the new birth in order to have access to this kingdom of God that Jesus is demonstrating. Nicodemus thinking naturally, and he doesn't understand what Jesus is getting to. And so Nicodemus answers, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Notice what Nicodemus does not say. He does not say, Jesus, why are you changing the subject? I want to know about the wonders and the signs and the miracles. I want to know about you coming from God. That's what he's talked about. He understands there's a connection. He just doesn't understand how to uh, act on what Jesus has suggested. Jesus then explains, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, natural birth and a spiritual rebirth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 3, he talked about seeing the kingdom of God in connection with the signs and wonders and miracles. Verse 5, he talks about entering into the kingdom of God. And both are connected with the new birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Well, thank God we can be born again. Nicodemus couldn't because Jesus had not yet been to the cross, but we can. So what does that mean? Well, that means since we're born again, we can see the kingdom of God. Since we've been born of water, natural birth, and a spiritual birth, rebirth, we can enter into the kingdom of God. Now, if the kingdom of God means the same thing here as Jesus defined it for us in Matthew chapter 6, then it means we can enter into the realm where the will of God is done in our lives here in the earth just like it is in heaven. And notice that comes from the new birth. One of the most amazing things about the scripture to me is when I realize that both the 12 and the 70, and at least one in, in one case, where somebody that wasn't part of the 12 or the 70 used the name of Jesus as unrighteous men and got miraculous results. They had not entered into the kingdom of God. The only thing they were authorized to say was that it was close. Well, thank God it's more than close. It's here. But they did greater works than the modern day church is doing, having partaken and entered into the kingdom of God. How is that? Did they have more than we have? Not according to the scriptures, they didn't have as much. But they used what they had. 
I think the modern day church has sat back and settled for a whole lot less and said, well, now we're born again. We don't have to have all the signs and wonders and miracles. When the Bible says the very signs and wonders and miracles are a part of the born again experience that we've entered into. And again, God never changes. If it was God's will to demonstrate the work of Jesus or the fact that Jesus was his son through signs and wonders and miracles when he was here on the earth, why would he want to demonstrate who his son is in a different fashion now through us? I don't believe he does. Now let's keep reading here in John chapter 3. This is a fascinating passage of scripture to me because John wrote this some 60 years, maybe 65 years after Jesus has been raised from the dead. He wrote this in somewhere between 90 and 95 AD. So it's about 60 or so years after Jesus is raised from the dead. The other three gospels are out there. Every other book of the New Testament has been written with the possible exception of Revelation. We don't know if if John wrote this before he wrote Revelation or after. But everything else, all the letters of Paul are there. All the letters of Peter are there. Both Peter and Paul are dead at the time John writes these things. And it seems to me, you judge this for yourself. I'm not saying this is gospel. But it seems to me that John fills in the blanks in a lot of things that the others left out. He tells us a lot of information about firsthand experience with Jesus, particularly on the night of his betrayal, that the other gospel writers don't give us, even though at least one of them was an eyewitness. So the fact that John comes in after the fact and is inspired by the Holy Ghost to write this tells me a couple of things. First of all, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he didn't come to Jesus by himself. Or let me say it this way. It would make more sense if I say he didn't come to Jesus when Jesus was by himself. John must have been there maybe along with the others. Then that that begs the question for me, did Jesus say this for Nicodemus' sake? Or did he say this for the disciples' sake? Where do we leave off? Verse 5. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee that you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it comes from and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, he's talking about the Spirit spirit and the new birth being an unseen operation. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? In other words, he's saying this should be Christianity 101. We should have an understanding of the new birth and what it means as a foundation for anything and everything else that there is. And I would submit to you folks that the reason that the church world as a whole is not a master of the things, the principles that govern the kingdom of God, is because we don't understand who we've been born unto. We don't understand what we've been born to do. James 1.22 tells us to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It's when we put the word of God in practice and act on what God said to do, that's when the blessings of God become real in our lives. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
when it comes to mastering the kingdom of God, when it comes to receiving, taking hold of the will of God in, in your life here on the earth, is the principle of faith. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Stop talking to God about your problem and talk to your problem. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.